0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the series on why fascism started in Italy. Before I start the episode, maybe you can hear that the mic quality is better. Hopefully, you can. I got a new microphone. This one should be a lot better than the previous one. And I'm thinking that I will re record a lot of past episodes, also the ones that are right now getting deleted due to the fact that my podcast providing service only leaves the episodes up for 90 days. So I'm thinking of Re, um, re-recording them and with a better microphone and re-uploading them. Uh, this would obviously be with the exception of a one with a guest, because I think that would be very hard. Although I might be able to do it in the future, but um, announcements aside, let's actually get into the podcast. So in this part of the episode, I want to talk about why the fascists earn so much support. And um, if there is enough time, I also want to talk about why there was so little oppositions. So, there are three main reasons, three main points for why fascists earned so much support in Italy after um, World War I. First of all, divisions and the weak government made people want a strong, unifying government. Secondly, desperate, a desperate situation after World War I. Uh, In terms of uh, the economy, in terms of the army, in terms of general socially, people wanted to try something new. They were tired of this this old system which they felt like wasn't working. Whether it was or wasn't working is obviously up to debate, but you can definitely see an underlying theme that people wanted to try something new, some improvement. And it was also as a reaction to socialists and communists. You could call it the counter-revolution if you really want to be to use some technical language, but really it is just a reactionary movement to the socialists and communists, which uh, rose in numbers quite a lot after World War One due to the economic instability, largely. Now, um, for the first point about the divisions uh, and the weak government. Now, I already talked in the... I already have talked in the first... Uh, part of a series about the divisions that Italy have due to geography, culture, language um social status and politics, which were larger than in a lot of other big European powers at the time, mainly because there was no single unifying Italian culture yet, and um the language the Italian language was spoken by a very small percentage of the population while most people still prefer to speak dialects, local dialects. There was also a big geographic difference, which I actually didn't mention that much during the first episode. But you need to think about it this way. Italy has a giant mountain range going down the middle, which are called uh, the Appennini. Um, Now, this giant mountain range means that... um, This giant mountain range means that... Um, connection between the north and the south is a lot more difficult especially at the time because you have this giant mountain ridge going down the middle which you can't really cross easily so you either need to go slightly around it or you need to go through it which makes travel just harder this just contributes to all the other problems which it already has and it's also very Italy as most of you know probably is very tall and narrow this means that um someone in the north is really geographically separated from someone in the south instead of compared to something where you might say the netherlands where someone in the north is a very short distance away from someone in the south or germany where although very different the distance is still large um it's not as big of a difference at least in proportions because germany is is quite fake it's almost like a it's almost a square shape If you took um, Czechia, it would be sort of a square shape, meaning that if you want to go from north to south, it's kind of the same different distance as from east to west. In Italy, east to west is not very long, generally, and definitely not nearly as long as going from north to south. I'm babbling a lot about this whole geography thing, but you need to think about it this way. Generally, just there's a lot of geographical differences which mean that it's a lot harder to communicate between the North and the South, and it also means that the cultures are a lot more split split geographically as well, which makes um, unity a lot harder. Going on to um, the second part of, um, of the first point, there was also a weak government, as I said, because generally, um, yeah, the Italian government was generally weak during the time. There was also what was called uh, Victoria Mutilata, which I mentioned in the first episode, which means mutilated victory, which was when Italy did not get all that it was promised from World War I, mainly because their, um, their performance during World War I was so poor, was so awful, that the allies, or the Entente, sorry, decided that they did not deserve just about anything, which honestly was largely justified But they didn't see it that way, obviously. Or, well, at least the Nationalists didn't see it that way. And the Nationalists wanted a strong government to give them what the Italians deserved, quote-unquote. There was also political terrorism during the time. Not as much as in later years of Italian history, but generally there was a decent amount of political terrorism, both from the left and from the right. Although... um, Although later you see fascists using a lot of political terrorism after uh, they start gaining support. Uh, generally, at the start, after World War One, not as much as in later Italian years. But then, around the 1920s, you start seeing a lot of these um, assault battalions in Italy where fascists would band together to um, to attack a lot of communists and attack cities which were largely communists or socialists to kill a lot of them or just beat a lot of them into uh, pretty much changing their point of view or not opposing them anymore um, then going on to the second point about the desperate situation in italy the desperate economic situation, more specifically. There was a lack of strong businesses in Italy. The, and the economy was generally in the gutter. But I want to focus a lot on this point about lack of strong businesses. Um, because Italy was kind of late to the industrialization, um, it meant that a lot of Italy did not have very large businesses. There were some large businesses, don't get me wrong. There were some really old businesses which were quite big, but nothing like the uh, multinational uh, monsters that you would imagine. The closest thing were maybe a couple of weapons, manufacturers and um, some food providers, but generally not huge businesses. This is because, again, of culture and geography. Um, Because Italy was disunited for so long, there was no real need for strong businesses, strong big businesses, or at least, even if there was, small local artisans always managed to do better because the tariffs imposed on international trade were extremely high at the time you also need to think that the austrian empire or the austro-hungarian empire later when they still controlled the northern italian lands imposed extremely high tariffs because they were extremely economically inefficient and were getting completely outcompeted by others so they were both defending the austrians were both defending themselves but also the italians in the process which then felt no need to actually um transition out of these traditional artisans even nowadays a lot of italian uh, businesses are quite small and uh, local although this is something that is slowly changing into more big businesses uh, that are simply more economically efficient but at the time there were still a lot of farmers a lot of local artisans and really not that many big businesses and um people, a lot of people thought that wasn't good. And a lot of people didn't like that, which is why a lot of the main points about fascism lie in, um, making, creating big businesses, creating big businesses, which are intertwined with the state. And, um, generally the state serves the businesses and the businesses serve the state, intertwining them to a point where, were almost the same thing because people wanted these strong businesses. The economy is also just in the gutter after World War I. That applies to almost any European country. But the Italian economy was already um, not great before World War I. So you can imagine what uh, three years, and I say three years because Italy entered in 1915, what three years of war um, must have done to an already struggl- to an already struggling economy. In Russia, it led to communist revolution. In Italy, it led to fascist revolution. But people just generally wanted something different. People felt that the system wasn't working and wanted something else, which is to some extent fair. There was also what was called the um, biennio rosso, which also kind of ties into the third point, um, which was two years in which Communists and socialists became a lot more militant and took to the streets a lot to try and gain uh, more power, and this was right after the end of World War One. Biennio also means um, the two red years, and um, many people didn't like this. Obviously, many people militarized against the communists, especially landowners, um, for what I think are obvious reasons, but also very important. An interesting point that was made is that um, new there was a, a new class of landowners after World War One because a lot of the old landowners um, simply either died off or didn't feel like um, managing that land anymore, uh, maybe moving into the capitalist class. So they sold a lot of their land, a lot of our farmland. Mm-hmm. And there was now a new class of landowners. And this new class of landowners really wanted to protect the land they just bought. Because otherwise they would lose this land that they just bought. And this made them really, really, really militarized against communists. This, of course, means that they want a government and a party which is really strong against communists. And the fascists were really strong against communists. At least in the early periods although later in their years they didn't really do that much other than outlaw communism um but especially before they got into power they were really militant and really really aggressive so as i explained before they would beat communists in the street and go into communist um cities or which were cities like which were majority communists and just beat people um, into not supporting the communists anymore. There were a whole... They were what we would maybe call today gang wars, but between parties. Between two parties which were somewhat... Uh, which weren't exactly mainstream. You still have a mainstream party like the liberals and the conservatives. But these two somewhat fringe, if you want to call them fringe parties, were fighting each other with force in the outskirts. Um, in the countryside mainly but also sometimes in big cities but pretty much again because of these two red years a lot of people militarized and a lot of people um got more radicalized on both sides of uh, um of the fight uh which ties into the third point as I said about how it was a reaction to socialists and communists um People were done with socialists. For a lot of people, they thought that it was an easy way to get rid of socialists. You don't want socialists? Get, get the fascists. Get the really, really anti-socialist party. This was one of the reasons that um, Victor Emmanuel III actually put the fascist power in charge. Because if you didn't know, the fascists never had a full coup d'etat. They got really close to a coup d'état, and then they pretty much just said um, Mussolini just said to the king, "Pretty please, can I be can I become prime minister?" And Victor Emmanuel III was like, "Sure," because they were marching on Rome. There was a famous march on Rome, where um, a lot of fascists made a really long march to Rome, hence the name. Um, and yeah they made this really long march on on rome and uh, to ask the king for powers for mussolini to be prime minister which is the highest um, position a man can be in at this time other than king obviously uh, in italy i mean and the king decided to accept and there were many reasons for this, a lot of people speculate on why exactly the king did it, obviously. But one of the main reasons that people believe is that um, he wanted to make sure that the socialists did not gain control. Because he thought that at least the fascists would let him keep his power and let him keep ruling, mm-hmm. while the socialists would just get rid of him. So he, he was choosing between the two alternatives. So instead of trying to fight against both, he went for a sort of, if you can't win them, join them. If you can't beat them, join them. Um, so a lot of people saw this as a way to just get rid of socialists. And it worked, if you want to see it that way, in the sense that the socialists um, were kind of gone after the fascists took power because... They were extremely harshly repressed and um, beaten, but this is obviously at the cost that now the fascists were in power and were severely repressing literally anybody who wasn't them. But if you want to see it as a victory, you can, I suppose. There were also other reasons which don't exactly tie into the first three points that I said. The fascists were quite good at propaganda, which is always very important to taking power. They were also good at intimidation. For how much you may want to blame them, for how much they may be terrible, they were the only party which really, really managed to effectively use this idea of intimidating people into voting for a specific party or into supporting a specific party. In this case, them. The communists were not as good as this. They did not use as many of the dirty tactics. They were not innocent. Don't get me wrong. Obviously not. They were terrible too in their um, political terrorism. But the fascists were on another level because militarism and political um, intolerance was part of their doctrine. They, um, there was also a problem of the mafia in the South and Mussolini's... Um, iron fist approach was something that a lot of people thought would be um, a good way of actually dealing with the mafia and in a way it did sort of destroy the mafia Mussolini did manage to eventually like quell the mafia quite a lot although it sort of just made them go underground um, and then they simply came out after the war ended but still, a lot of people thought that maybe Mussolini's approach was what would actually fix the mafia problem itself, because after, let me think, at least 60 years of Italian governance, the mafia was still going strong, if not stronger than ever, in sovereign Italy, which made a lot of people really distrust the um, government. Mussolini was also just a charismatic speaker, if you still want to go see his speeches, nowadays they seem a little bit ridiculous, but they were really used to rile up the normal, uh, the average people, so really, um, he was a charismatic speaker by just about any account terrible person et cetera et cetera et cetera but in the same way that Hitler was a charismatic speaker he was a charismatic speaker too, and that earned him a lot of um a lot of power also because Mussolini kind of came from nothing the fascist party was kind of built out of a out of socialist cooperatives out of socialist um groups that banded together which eventually turned into the fascist movement um So he needed a lot of his charismatic speaking to earn a lot of support for himself. Um, he, it was also a new movement, which always helps just being able to say, we're new, we're different. We're going to change things. they called themselves, the, um, the third way in the sense that it wasn't capitalism, it wasn't socialism. It was the third way it was something different although it wasn't it really wasn't in the end it it's still kind of just if anything it's just an extreme version of dictatorial capitalism just the most power to the bourgeoisie and the most power to the companies or the actual uh, merging of government and companies but generally It wasn't anything particularly new but it came off as new because it seemed like a different approach to things than it was before um and lastly something again tied to culture which i also somewhat explained in the first part which the which was that large portions of italy were apathetic um but you still had a lot of farmers in italy at this time a lot of farmers who couldn't read couldn't write a lot of the time maybe couldn't even speak Italian, and honestly, a lot of them really didn't care whether the government, sorry about that, um, whether the government in, um, in Rome was led by a king or a fascist dictator or a communist dictator. They just didn't want their life to be affected by it. They wanted a largely um, stable life that wasn't affected by the government changes and so long as that was respected i really doubt that any farmers genuinely care that much considering they could hardly read the newspaper to figure out what was going on in the end this all meant that um when uh, mussolini took power a lot of people just didn't care he proclaimed you know the new fascist regime and a lot of people didn't care he declared war and a lot of people didn't care because really a lot of these people were farmers in the middle of nowhere that had nothing to do with the rest of italy or at least they felt like they had nothing to do with the rest of italy even if, though they were still affected by it now in the next episode i'm gonna get into why there was so little opposition to the rule after he after mussolini gained power I'm not going into the history of it, although I'll likely do that in um an episode later on, but for now, I'm just going into the causes and what led to it, so I hope you liked the video I hope you enjoyed the video um yeah, I think uh, this was a nice video I hope you liked the. I hope you liked the new microphone um so the quality should be better from now on, hopefully. And once again, if you want to email me anything, complaints, suggestions, ideas, anything, you can find the email in the description of this video. Thank you for listening.